I think it's important to be aware that aggressive patients will come in from time to time and the pandemic has really heightened a lot of anxiety in patients at the moment. So whilst the escalating a situation can't always be achieved, it's a great idea to have some strategies in place. So if you are met with this kind of situation, you can diffuse it in a potentially professional manner if you can. Hi, I'm Georgina Woods, Professional Officer at Pharmaceutical Defence Limited, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Pharmaceutical Defence Limited, or PDL, is Australia's first national pharmacy body established in 1912 by a group of Australian pharmacists to support and protect other pharmacists. They continue to provide support to the Australian pharmacy profession over 100 years later through professional indemnity insurance and risk management advice to over 20 9,000 national PDL members. They operate a one-to-one confidential member care and support service, which is provided by their professional officers who are themselves experienced pharmacists. It's an Australia-wide 24-7 incident and claim support and advice service to protect their members and minimise patient harm. In just a minute, I'll be speaking with two of their professional officers, Georgina Woods and John Guy, and we'll discuss some of the most common incidents and questions by PDL members, as well as how to handle difficult situations that pharmacists encounter. Let's start with Georgina. Georgina, hi and welcome to the show. As we heard in the introduction, PDL provides support to members through professional indemnity. What sorts of incidents would a member reach out to you for assistance on it? And, and it would be great if you could also cover off in your answer for us, what should pharmacy staff do if an, if an incident actually occurs in the pharmacy? PDL can assist with many kind of incidents and certainly there's no penalty for reporting an incident to PDL. So we'd always encourage members to report any kind of situation that could potentially escalate into a complaint. So even if you think you've resolved it and it all seems fine, it's still really important to let PDL know because we can provide support and advice to help you along the way. So obvious examples of incidents are dispensing errors, uh, incidents involving vaccination, complaints regarding service or incorrect advice. Other situations that you might receive uh, a notification for, um, they're also very important to let us know about. So if you do hear from a regulator or a lawyer, please get in touch with us straight away. We can certainly help with that. Other things might include concerns about a prescriber or a colleague's activities, or if you have a particularly aggressive or confronting incident with a patient, that's also worthy of a report to PDL because we can help you through those sort of situations. Now, if you're faced with an incident, which invariably we all are at some stage, PDL actually do have a guide to incident management, and I'd encourage all pharmacy owners and managers to display this in the dispensary because it's a really helpful quick guide and it can be referred to quickly to help you through it. Time is of the essence when you're dealing with incidents, so we always suggest that incidents are managed quickly and effectively. Sometimes if you're not sure what to do, just call PDL straight away. You can speak to a professional officer and we can provide you with the confidence to navigate the incident. 
we always suggest being transparent and empathic and understanding when you're managing an incident. So you do need to be aware that they might be unwell, they might be very stressed and situations can escalate quickly when you've got patients who are already upset before they come to you. You always need to contact a prescriber if there's been a dispensing error and also keep in mind that you must inform the owner of the incident as well as they are responsible for everything that occurs in the pharmacy. So documentation is very important, document everything and incidents should always be reported to your own professional indemnity insurance provider. At PDL we're cognizant that we're available 24-7 because many pharmacies are working really long hours at the moment so be aware that you can get hold of us day or night any time of the day and that's really important so you're aware that we're available like that. You mentioned aggressive patients there and they sometimes come up in the news and I'm sure there's lots more incidents that occur than just the ones that end up in the news. How should pharmacies or pharmacy staff deal with somebody who's aggressive, is there anything particular that they need to keep in mind? I think it's important to be aware that aggressive patients will come in from time to time and the pandemic has really heightened a lot of anxiety in patients at the moment. So whilst de-escalating a situation can't always be achieved, it's a great idea to have some strategies in place. So if you are met with this kind of situation, you can diffuse it um, in a potentially professional manner if you can. So when I've got someone who clearly is becoming agitated, I always like to step in quite quickly. I'll introduce myself and I'll always invite the patient to a private area of the pharmacy because you really don't want a yelling match in the middle of the pharmacy um, with any kind of audience. So I'll often start with inviting the person to explain while they're upset and that gives them an opportunity to really voice their concerns. Everyone likes to have validation and to be listened to when they're upset. So I like to show empathy. So I might say something like, I'm really sorry this has happened to you, or I would also be upset if something like this happened to me. And, you know, I look at it at a really patient-focused approach. So try and offer solutions. So you can really try and get to the bottom of the situation. I think be mindful that you shouldn't appease a patient by acting outside of the legislation. Sometimes you just have to explain that you are required to practise within the legislation at the law all times and despite the patient maybe having a very difficult situation I think it's very important to just know your limitations there and again as I said be mindful you can't control other people's emotions and so try not to take it too personally. Um, we had a patient who came in recently in the pharmacy I work in and they were upset because their patient their prescription had been, it uh, was expired. And so they weren't able to obtain their pain medication. They got very upset, they started to cry. So I was able to take them aside, have a chat to them, ensure that they didn't have any at home. I contacted their prescriber and I was very fortunate that I was able to arrange a new prescription for them. So in that case, they went from very upset to very appreciative in a short space of time. So whilst it's not always possible, if you can try and find a solution, most patients are very appreciative of that. So important to ring PDL if you need help and always document incidents because again, we can often provide advice um, and direction as to how to manage a situation like this moving forward. So maybe if you have to write an apology letter or make a phone call, we can give you tips on how to manage that. And also the pharmacist support service is really uh, a great resource if you're feeling very stressed or upset. 
they're available uh, to speak with. They're fully qualified. It is confidential and they're a great resource for pharmacists, especially during this really trying time at the moment. Some great points to keep in mind and some great advice following those points. And as we heard, you're still a pharmacist yourself. So I would imagine you would sometimes have requests for patient information from other professionals outside the pharmacy, like police officers, for example. What should happen in those circumstances? What do people need to be aware of and what sort of precautions or or maybe processes should they be following? We've got very strict privacy obligations as healthcare professionals, so it's uh, great to be aware that sometimes you will be asked for specific information from third parties, and we have to be very careful in that area that we don't inadvertently breach legislation. So, as you mentioned, sometimes you may get a police officer coming in and requesting specific information, and generally uh, police can obtain this information without any breach of privacy, but it's important to do your due diligence. Make sure that it is a legitimate request and not someone pretending to be a police officer and always ask for that sort of uh, that request in writing. That's really important just so there is a paper trail and if someone asks you down the track, look, what were you doing providing this information, you can go back to that document and explain this is why. And we do often have other requests from different people. And again, be very sensible around this. It's important to know that younger people uh, do have rights to privacy and also deceased people have a right to privacy. So an executor of a will can request information. Again, ask for that in writing. But be very careful of other requests when you're just not quite sure what the motivation is. Regulators can also be people that request information like prescriptions and a dispensing history. And again, they are entitled to request that at any point in time. And the other people that we often find request information is hospitals. And you'll find that when patients uh, are admitted, generally uh, they do consent for their medical information to be obtained. So you may have a request from a nurse or a pharmacist from a hospital asking for a dosage administration aid profile or a drug history. And again, just make sure it's a legitimate request. If you can get it in writing, that's great. And be mindful of secure ways of transferring information. That's important too. You gave a lot of great examples there. One that came to mind that you didn't cover was lawyers. Do they ever come looking and, and making requests for information about particular patients? And does does the advice change at all if it's a lawyer? Yeah, they certainly do. It's quite common for a member of a legal team to reach out to a pharmacy uh, because there are several cases that involve medication. The advice is very similar. A, re- a legal representative can actually request information as long as they've got consent from their client. So usually if this is the case, we'll advise that uh, there's a copy of that consent, which lawyers often do send through to pharmacies. And again, ensuring it's a legitimate request. So I tend to, if I get a lawyer legal letter, I will usually Google the law firm, just make sure that they seem like they're actually a legitimate outfit ensure I've got documentation of consent, and then you are able to provide that information. Otherwise, the other way that medication information may be requested by a lawyer is via a subpoena. Uh, But certainly if you get any of these tricky requests and you're not sure what to do, I'd absolutely encourage members to contact us because we can give you some further information about due diligence when it comes to these kind of requests. 
So is it fair to say that people shouldn't feel pressured to be rushed to give information, but really just take the time and go through those steps and, and make sure it's all above board? Yeah, that's an excellent point. And I think it's important to not feel pressured uh, by certain people trying to throw their weight around. That often happens in pharmacies. So again, if you're feeling pressured or if you've got that gut feeling that something's not right, always listen to that contact PDL and we can often put things into perspective for you and give you some context to allow you to make that decision. Georgina, there are several pharmacy regulators and and stakeholders that regulate the pharmacy profession and they manage complaints and regulate pharmacy premises and control drug and poison legislation and all those sorts of things. What should a pharmacy do if they receive notification from a regulator? Yes, this does happen. Uh, The fateful email from the regulator, it can be quite stressful. And my best advice is to contact your professional indemnity insurance provider straight away. I can't stress that enough. We often have cases where uh, people have got a regulatory notification, they've responded without assistance, and unfortunately, the outcome cannot be nearly as positive as if you had important support from the PDL professional officers and perhaps the legal team. So we're very experienced at PDL dealing with these regulatory matters and we can assist you through that whole process. Inevitably, that does make it far less stressful. So we use expert lawyers to assist with responses and the aim is to obtain the best outcome for our members. So if you get any kind of notification from a lawyer or a legislator or a regulator, please contact us straight away as soon as you can because the more time we have to assist you, often it's the better the outcomes we have. And what about if an inspector arrives on a pharmacy's doorstep and, and says, I'm here to have a, have a chat or, or inspect the premises, what should pharmacies do there? Please don't panic. Uh, Be mindful. Inspectors, they're actually just doing their job and certainly they may request specific information from the pharmacy and that is without the breach of privacy. So if an inspector arrives, I would always ask to see their identification. However, they do often volunteer this for you anyway. So be mindful. Inspectors can arrive at any point in time. So it's important to be operating professionally all of the time. So if an inspector does arrive, they sort of anticipate the fact that they might be looking at your safe, they'll be looking at your general premises, they may wish to see original prescriptions and dispensing records, they'll often take a note of owing prescriptions and they'll definitely look at records relating to the opioid replacement therapy program. So this is really where procedures and policies must be in place to ensure that there's consistent adherence to the legislation at all points in time in your pharmacy. And I'd like to remind proprietors that they need to be aware that uh, certainly sufficient oversight is expected. And if there are any deficiencies detected during an inspection, then certainly they might be likely to be called in for a please explain. So please be aware of the legislation in your state Please run your pharmacy professionally at all time. And certainly that means that if everything's ship shape, uh, the sight of an inspector won't cause too much panic. Great to hear from Georgina. And now, as I mentioned at the start of the show, John Guy also joins us. So, John, welcome. And I thought we could follow up with some more examples of where professional indemnity may play a part in the decisions made by pharmacy staff. We spoke earlier with Georgina about aggressive patients and I wonder whether 
can a pharmacist ban a customer who is continually aggressive and abusive? Is that even a course of action that's available to them? Thanks, Daniel. That's a great question and one we get asked quite often at PDL. The short answer is yes, but there's a few riders I like to put on it. Um, doctors have got the right and often do ban some of their patients that are drug-seeking or aggressive or whatever, so pharmacists have the same rights. But I usually suggest to a pharmacist who's considering banning someone that firstly they give that person fair warning. So if you've had a bad interaction with someone, next time they come in, just take them quietly aside when hopefully they're a bit calmer and say to them, look, last time you were in, you were aggressive, your uh, behaviour was totally inappropriate. We're not here to be abused by you and our staff aren't either. So just be aware that if this happens again, we've got the right to ban you so you won't be able to use our services at all. So give them fair warning. And if uh, they, you do ban them, um, they come in again, you just politely take them aside again and say, look, you've been banned. Will you not welcome in our store? Uh, please leave now or I'll call the police. And if they don't leave, you do call the police. Now, some pharmacists do ask if in a remote area, say, um, can I ban someone? I'm the only pharmacy in 30 or 40 Ks. Um, I'll be denying them medical services. Well, the answer is again, yes, if you've been, if they've been disruptive, you should ban them. They've brought that action upon themselves. Uh, they may have to drive 30 or 40 k's to another town. But one alternative is if you do say ban someone, you can allow a carer or um, a more um, polite family member to come and access services. But at the end of the day, you have to protect your staff and your other customers. So certainly, yes, you can ban someone. You spoke about next time somebody comes in, if they've had an aggressive episode in the past, you want to have a little bit of a chat to them about their behaviour and how it's not acceptable. When they take them to the side, is it a good idea to do that by yourself or should you have another staff member stand with you or nearby? Because we, we certainly don't want to feel like we're cornering somebody and, and, and exacerbating the problem. No, that's right, Daniel. I'm not saying take them into the consulting room or anything. Um, you need to consider privacy, so you don't want to broadcast that they've been inappropriate. Um, but just take them to the side of the pharmacy where there's other people around and watching, so you're not totally um, isolated from them and they won't feel threatened at all. It's just a, a privacy and courtesy concern, I feel. You mentioned privacy there. Patient privacy is extremely important in community pharmacy. What should a pharmacy do in this next scenario that I have for you? And it is a local council is requesting the address of a patient of a pharmacy because a discarded pill container has been dumped in some roadside rubbish, but the pharmacy obviously has some privacy concerns. What should they be doing there? Yeah, this is a question that comes up from time to time and pharmacists are obviously um, cognizant of the Privacy Act and things, so they think they shouldn't be providing contact details of someone on the request of a council member. But there's a lot, most council acts and laws um, state that privacy is overridden in the case of rubbish dumping, so that if someone is um, exposed or identified as being a rubbish dumper by having one of your pharmacy packets with your label on it, you certainly are obliged and are required to provide the contact details of that person and you're not infringing privacy in this case. Can a pharmacist refuse to dispense the contraceptive pill and abortifacients to customers if it's against their beliefs? Yes, they can, Daniel. Um, some people have uh, religious beliefs or um, concerns about that sort of thing. So a pharmacist can't be made to dispense something they feel uncomfortable with in this case. 
but it's very important that they don't just reject the person outright and make them feel um, not welcome or inferior in any way. So if you do refuse to dispense one of these items, the, you need to refer them to somewhere where they can have the item dispensed. It can be a colleague in a big pharmacy who you know is willing to dispense these items. But if you're working alone, you should know of a few local pharmacies in the area that you've checked out and um, will dispense these items. So then you can refer that person onto that pharmacy so they don't feel they're being neglected. And in the same vein, contraception, can a pharmacist provide emergency contraception to a person who's under 16 years of age? Yeah, this is a question that comes up a lot. Um, different acts around Australia vary slightly, but the general principle is under the Gillick principle, which is a legal precedent, that um, children under 16 do have a right to privacy and the right to seek medical treatment without their parents' consent. The main thing is you need to know that that person or child has an understanding of the medical implications of the treatment they're seeking. So if they're, say, 14 and they're asking for the emergency contraception, you realise they know exactly what um, they're doing. Certainly you can dispense it to them. It probably would be a good idea to suggest they go and see a family doctor to talk about perhaps contraception or just have a chat to the doctor, but you can't compel them to do that and you're not compelled to tell their parents either. Good advice. Now, I know this next one is a common question from patients in terms of their own convenience, and I've certainly, as a patient, asked it of my pharmacist, but is it allowable to dispense multiple repeats at the one time? Yeah, that practice is sometimes driven by the patients and it's sometimes driven by pharmacy owners who are obviously looking at the bottom line because they're trying to increase their dispensing rates. But the Pharmacy Board of Australia has clear guidelines on this. There's a document called Guidelines for Dispensing of Medicines and under Section 3 it talks about dispensing multiple repeats at one time. And there's a lot of reasons why it shouldn't be done normally. Um, it's against the good quality use of medicine and it doesn't allow for regular review of the patient's therapy. We had a case recently where a pharmacy dispensed all six um, uh, repeats of a script at one time. They made a mistake and gave the person the wrong item, so that patient had the wrong item over a period of six months, and it had some deleterious effect on the patient. Um, also, we've seen patient, uh, pharmacies dispense multiples of um, antipsychotics or antidepressants, the person's self-harmed with them, and when it becomes evident what's happened, um, the pharmacy's dispensed multiple repeats, the regulators um, take this into account and hold the pharmacist accountable. So generally, it's not good practice. Of course, doctors have an option to provide all the repeats at one stage um, by writing Regulation 49. Older pharmacists like me still call it Regulation 24. I don't know why it changed its name. But that, um, at the discretion of the doctor, does give the pharmacist the right to dispense all the repeats at once. It may sometimes happen also that um, in special circumstances, if someone's going to a remote area or needs a few repeats at once, they could have broken their leg and they're on crutches. Um, they may request a couple of repeats, which could be reasonable. If that happens, I'd suggest that you ring the prescriber and just um, get their permission they generally would uh, oblige under that and, and make a note in the history that you have consulted the prescriber and got permission. 
Some really, really important points there that you make, John. As I said earlier, a great chat with Georgina and now with yourself. Thanks for joining us and sharing your expertise and insights into what are some very important but also some curly situations that I presented to you. Thanks, Daniel. What an insightful discussion. Thank you again to Georgina and John. The questions you both answered show just how important it is to seek professional assistance before responding to an incident or an inquiry. If the right advice is given to a pharmacist, an incident can be resolved rather than escalated. And as you've mentioned, many pharmacists are unaware and often respond without assistance. PDL's 24 hours a day, seven days a week incident support service is available to all members. They also receive regular email notices called practice alerts, which often use trends from recent incident reports in a bid to help other members avoid an incident. For ongoing support and protection throughout your pharmacy career, become a PDL member by visiting their website, pdl.org.au, or call them on 1300 854 838. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 86 of the PBCN Podcast. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.